Section 2 of Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truth of Religion, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Marie Christian. Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truth of Religion, Volume 2, by Father Louis D. Segur. The Third Commandment of the Church To fast is to deprive ourselves of a portion of our usual food, and to be contented with one meal during the day, and a light collation intended to render this penitential practice less difficult. Fasting is truly a divine institution. From the commencement of the world, it has been the first and most important of penitential works and has been practiced and sanctified by patriarchs and prophets, by our Lord and his apostles, by the martyrs and all the saints. Its object is to humiliate the flesh and to subdue the passions, but not to injure the strength of the body. The church, in imitation of her divine master, and by command of the apostles, has chosen fasting as the means by which her children shall practice Christian penance. All are bound to fast who have reached the age of 21 during the 40 days which precede Easter Sunday on the vigils of great feasts and at those four seasons of the year called ember days, which introduce into each of the four seasons three days of penance and sanctification. The particular observances of fasting vary in different countries and dioceses. As this holy practice is as much a work of obedience as of mortification, the only general rule which can be given is that all must observe it as directed by the bishop of the diocese in which they live. The spirit is ever the same, though the details vary. No one is obliged to fast before the age of 21, because until then the constitution is not completely developed and insufficient food might affect the health. The reasons which exempt from fasting are, first, physical weakness or sickness, second, poverty, which prevents a man from being able to choose his food, and obliges him to eat just what he can procure, whenever he can procure it. Third, the moral impossibility which arises from hard and difficult work, from extreme fatigue, and lastly, from other circumstances of which the confessor is the only good judge. And in fact, all these reasons must, for greater safety, be submitted to him. The gravity of any infraction of this commandment arises especially from the disobedience it involves to a public and most important regulation of the Church of God. It is to despise the public penance of the Church and to despise the evangelical precept, except ye do penance, ye shall all likewise perish. Sunday is never a fasting day, because it is the Lord's day. This is why Lent, which includes six Sundays, begins 46 days before Easter, instead of 40. The vigils upon which fasting is commanded are the eves of Whit Sunday, of St. Peter and St. Paul, of the Assumption, all saints, and Christmas Day. The obligation of abstaining from flesh meat on Fridays is also a very important religious law, 
and is similarly distinguished by the character of a public and general penance. We sanctify the week and prepare ourselves for Sunday by this bodily mortification in remembrance of the passion of our Lord. Any violation of the law of abstinence is also a mortal sin. And if anyone should say, That which enters into the body cannot defile the soul, or God does not regard the food we eat, let them, I say, clearly understand that this has nothing whatever to do with it. It is not a question of eating meat, but wholly one of obedience. However indifferent God may be as to our choice of food, He is far from indifferent as to our dispositions of obedience or rebellion, and He has not only given us a general command to do penance, but has also commanded us to obey the Church and all the regulations she may make with regard to this holy and necessary practice. The reasons required for an exemption from the law of abstinence are the same as for a dispensation from fasting. But upon this point let no one deceive themselves. It is impossible to deceive God. We should always consult the confessor who is charged with our spiritual welfare, and should also remember that it is a mortal sin not to abstain except for a truly sufficient reason. Let the indifferent, the sinful, and the incredulous all regard us with contempt, as men who follow shadows and are weakly intent upon trifles. Is it a trifle to obey God and His church? Is it weakness to honor the words spoken by Jesus Christ to the pastors of His church? Go ye into the whole world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that heareth you heareth me, and he that despiseth you despiseth me. End of section 2